0: Hi, I'm Anna Staver, and this is a special episode of Ohio Politics Explained, a podcast where you give us 15 minutes and we give you all the details on what went down in Larry Householder's public corruption trial. I'm joined this week, as always, by reporters Jesse Ballmer and Laura Bischoff, who are down in Cincinnati in that federal courtroom, day in and day out. So, Laura, Jesse, week three
1: in Cincinnati. Was it week three? It seems like it's all blurring together.
0: But this week... A couple of things happened and I guess the first one is something that happened previously and that the trial was delayed because of COVID, again.
2: Correct. We've had actually two jurors have COVID 19 since the trial began, you know, about three weeks ago. Um, the first time the trial was delayed for four days. This time it was only a day and a half because uh, Judge Timothy Black uh, excused the juror who had tested positive. And then the rest of the jurors had to wear N95 masks and test regularly. And thankfully for the rest of the week, they all tested negative.
0: Well, that's great so we're back to testimony and actually we sort of have a milestone right blaine wetzel the fbi agent is
1: is done yeah he's off the stand after i think we said like seven days testimony uh including uh cross-examination was that just yesterday and then on friday precisely
2: so he's yeah. been on by far the longest really since the second day of the trial
0: Yeah. And he's been laying out like the foundation, right? Like the the who and the what and the where. But we haven't really heard a lot of the why yet. And that may be something we get next week, right? As we start to hear from people accused of being in this conspiracy.
1: Right, we expect to hear from Anna Lippincott. She worked for um, Friends of Larry Householder, and um, as well as JPL and Associates, which was Jeff Longstreth's company. Jeff Longstreth was um, Larry Householder's political consultant, um, and then I think also uh, the government will call Juan Cespedes uh, to the stand. He was a lobbyist for First Energy Solutions, and Juan took a guilty plea in October of 2020, so he agreed to to cooperate.
0: Do you think this is the time, like, I don't want to call uh, Agent Wetzel's testimony dry, but do you think this might be the turn in the prosecution's case where we start to see, like, more, I guess, of the narrative come out? We sort of, like, start to, like, these people become, like, people and not names on a piece of paper,
2: Yeah. So Wetzel's role was really to lay out the case. And sometimes that included things like which dark money money entity was going to which dark money entity. It was like a Russian nesting dolls of dark money groups at various points. And it was kind of just the facts, ma'am. Versus we're going to start hearing from some of the people who participated in getting these candidates elected in passing House Bill 6 through the Ohio legislature and then the referendum effort to attempt to block House Bill sex. So we're going to find out a little bit more about why this happened versus just what happened.
1: What was interesting on Wetzel's testimony was he walked everybody through, you know, hundreds of exhibits and all these bank records and text messages and emails. And, and then on cross-examination, it seemed that householder's attorney, Rob Glickman, that his strategy was to kind of um, maybe knock the agent off balance a little bit, and and imply that he didn't have a full command of all the documents. And Agent Wetzel kept saying, like, well, you know, we reviewed millions of pages of records in this, and I don't re- recall that specific specific document that you're referring to, or whatever. And so it was it was kind of interesting just to sort of see the strategy of the defense, which was to sow seeds of doubt in the veracity of of these records that Agent Wetzel is talking about.
2: And there was one example maybe of this. Uh, For example, we talked about the dinners and this trip to Washington, D.C. that Larry Householder took on the first energy flight, along with a number of other people, including his son um, and Tony George and Michael Dowling. So while they were in Washington, D.C., they went to a number of steakhouse dinners. And Rob Glickman, Householder's attorney, was pointing out at one of these dinners, CEO Chuck Jones couldn't have possibly have been there because he caught a later flight from Florida. So that might be a minor thing, but just trying to point out like my inconsistencies in the testimony of Blaine Wetzel.
0: Oh, that's interesting. And we actually started to learn, I guess, about some of the potentially more salacious details. Um, There were some secret recordings between Matt Borges, the other guy on trial with Larry, and a guy named Tyler Furman. And we got to hear about what what are going to be in those recordings, correct? And Tyler will be testifying at some point later in the trial.
2: Correct. So Tyler Furman was a GOP operative. He actually worked on a house campaign for one of the householder candidates. And then later, when House Bill Six was up for a referendum, he worked for a group called Ohioans Against Corporate Bailouts, which was trying to put House Bill Bill Six up for a vote to the voters. And so he was working on collecting signatures, trying to get enough to put this before Ohioans. And at a Early September, September 4th, he reached out to the FBI saying that he felt pressure to give insider information about the ballot referendum campaign to Matt Borges, who was a former Republican Party chairman, also kind of a mentor figure to Tyler. And so the FBI and Furman recorded a number of conversations. At one point, uh, Furman accepted a $15,000 check from Matt Borges. And uh, basically, the federal prosecutors and FBI say that Matt Borges was bribing Furman for insider information about the ballot initiative.
1: It was interesting that when they, when the prosecution rolled out the tapes and the video of um, the meetings between Tyler Furman and, and Matt Borges, it seemed like the jurors kind of like perked up, sort of like, "Oh, we get to watch a movie in class today." <laughs> um, you know, they were they were a little more attentive. Um, they follow along in binders with transcripts to help. Um, help them guide and f- and follow the dialogue that's going on, because sometimes the tapes aren't 100% clear. Like, they met yeah. at a Starbucks, at an outdoor patio at a Starbucks, and there's all this traffic going by. And at one point, there's like a Brinks truck that's just idling in the background pretty <laughs> loud. So anyway... Yeah,
0: no, that's really it's really interesting, and will be like that is sort of the crux of uh, the case against Matt Borges is that he was doing like one of the main things that they're trying to prove is that he was trying to bribe Tyler for information that he shouldn't have been privy to.
2: Yeah, and Borges's argument all along has been that Tyler Furman was like a mentee, that Furman had was needed money because of this messy divorce that he was going through, and that the money was actually for work on other projects. For example, like getting together alumni of former governor John Kasich. Um, testimony also showed that there were various points where Borges wanted to keep this interaction secret, you know, didn't this is just between you and me. Like, this isn't something that we should talk about outside of um, this conversation.
0: Yeah. So I guess as we start to look ahead to next week, you said that we're going to hear from new people, casting characters, possibly some of the people who have pled guilty. Is there anything else that you expect? Or do you think there's a chance that maybe, you know, the, we may get more pushback, say when like, Tyler and Juan and Jeff Longstreth and like some of this or Dave representative Dave Greenspan. Like as we start to hear from the cast of characters, I wonder if perhaps Householder and Borges's attorneys will be a little more aggressive with the, the people actually involved in the situation.
1: Well, we kind of saw a preview of that today when um, Borges's attorney, Carl Schneider, was cross-examining Agent Wetzel. Schneider kind of described or tried to um, get Wetzel to agree with the description that Tyler Furman was being reckless, and there was there was some pushback. I think there was an immediate sidebar after that.
0: Why was he reckless, or why were they saying he was reckless?
1: I think a number of of issues. One being that, like right after the arrests uh, in July of 2020, Tyler Furman gave an interview to the media, and oh, yeah. um, so that didn't sit well with with some. So anyway, so that, I think. I think you're right. I think that we're going to see some pushback and, you know, certainly the Borges and Householder team, they're going to try and undermine the prosecution's um, witnesses and say that, you know, Tyler Furman was reckless and one one is saying these things because he took a bit guilty plea. Um, so we'll see how effective that is. Yeah, I
2: think the overarching argument from a householder's group of attorneys has been to point out things that are like normal in the course of politics. Like it's typical for politicians to meet with powerful CEOs. It's typical for them to rent office space. It's typical for them to even, you know, benefit from 501C4 dark money groups. But the government is pointing out, you know, it's not typical the amount of money that First Energy was being, you know, kind of funneling through these dark money groups. And it's not typical for the candidates to be so involved and to have, you know, personal benefits from them. I think the argument from the Borges side is saying, look, we weren't even that involved in this whole thing. And Tyler Furman, you know, isn't as good of a secret source as
0: you as you think. Well, as always, thank you guys for giving us the download on what's happening and enjoy your, um, I guess, extended vacation in the Queen City.
1: I wouldn't call it a vacation, but uh, we are enjoying the (laughs) Queen City. We did get to go I, to the Finley Market.
0: I will say I am enjoying all of the press corps photos of their, they are jokingly, their visits around town, which is just like a series of shots of the courthouse. <laughs> exactly. It is a very nice <laughs> courthouse. Well, uh, I would hope it is, because it sounds like you guys are going to be seeing a lot of it. Indeed. Indeed. All right. Well, I will talk to you guys next week. All right. Thanks. Ohio Politics Explained is brought to you by the USA Today Network Ohio Bureau. You can find us on Twitter at Ohio Explained. And if you want to learn more about any of the topics we covered, check us out online at any of the newspapers in our network, like the Mansfield News Journal. That's mansfieldnewsjournal.com.